Danny, can you do 10 minutes of observational comedy about admin? It's a buzz, it's a buzz. We're all going to go and have a cup of tea. You haven't got to live with him. I'd rather live with the guy who accidentally shags you. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard Welcome leopard. to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Stedman, and I've been temporarily refracted into a freestanding prism. I'm John Bands, and I've gone off the idea of progress. It's overrated. I'm John Hickman, and uh, I buy sophisticated consumer durables by mail order. <laughs> We're moving through the H section, so let's begin with a spot of colour. The Hoovaloo are a super intelligent shade of the colour blue. Mr Hickman, is there more mileage in a species like this, and could we have read or heard more about them? It's It would be hard to write the, the, them as much of a character beyond this, but it's a lovely... Um, bit of writing, lovely description, lovely idea, lovely gag. And it's a classic um, smash and grab, I'd say. I think I wonder about it. The the sentence itself offers so many questions for me. So um, it's a super intelligent shade of the colour blue. Is this mean there are less intelligent shades of the colour blue? Like uh, <laughs> navy blue, you know, they're all just a bit butch and... Uh, <laughs> Some nice royal blue, and they're all a bit Tim Nice, but dim. Sky blue, and they're all fucking stupid hippies, or blue bloods. Yeah, teal, and no one really knows whether it's blue or green, and <laughs> plays havoc with you actually trying to order a sofa in this year's um, switched on colour um, from DFS. The blue of carrots before they were selectively bred to be orange. They were purple, weren't they? Well, who knows, mate? They could have been. Thing is, the, the the teal the teal faction are constantly at war with the cyan faction. Yeah, cyan's definitely blue. Cyan's like sky blue, but teal, green. I think green. I know. The uh... was um was blue the color that was so ill defined? Yes, it, yes, it is. So, in a lot of Roman and Greek poetry, things that we know are blue are described as being all sorts of crazy colors. Because uh, they they hadn't nailed what blue was back then. Yes, I remember that being a, a thing on QI, ah, okay. and I think a lot of things that we think of now as red were described as blue, or the, the things that we think of blue were were, were called red. Something along those. All lines. classical poets were classically red blue colourblind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be that. You don't get red blue colourblind, do you? Oddly, the only real colourblind. Thought you did. You get red green colourblind. Oh. Which seems to be a really odd choice for traffic lights, uh, given that. Yeah, but they so they work in a sequence. Okay, so on the traffic lights, yes. On the reflection of traffic light colours on almost all sort of like signs oh, yes. and stuff. Like, God, man, people are stupid. Uh, <laughs> and some of them can't see colours. Grey um, means go, grey means stop. Is that, oh, yes. Great, danger. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm now, I, I now want to look up blue, green, color, uh, blue, red, color blindness to see if that's a thing. Might, blue, green, color blindness definitely isn't a thing because I, because I thought that I, I would make a play for the fact that I can't tell whether things are blue or green quite a lot of the time. But that is apparently not a medical condition; it's just indecisiveness. I have that with purple and pink. And I'm not sure yet if it is a function of my poor eyesight or a function of the fact that I can't remember which one's which. You're gripping too hard. <laughs> so um, one one question that I've got about these uh, these lovely uh, blue super intelligent beings, the who the who Hulu, 
Say it for me, Mark. Say it for me, Mark. Actually, Hulavu? did I get it wrong? I might have said it wrong. Yeah, it's Hulavu. I think I might have been Hulavu. saying Hoovaloo. Uh, so for <laughs> for the benefit of listeners um, who, who were screaming at their devices, I now recognise my error and I apologise. It is Hulavu. Okay. Um, what I was going to say was, do we think that the members of the Blue Man Group are... Um, are connected to the Hulavu in any way, and are they the less intelligent Hulavu um, or the more intelligent? I'm not and sure. And what does that mean for uh, Tobias Funke? Yes, exactly. Uh, and now, let's uh, let's get it together. A person who is hoopy or possesses the property of hoopiness is a really together guy. I feel like I meet hoopy people from time to time, and I'm never quite sure how to recover. Mr. Bounds, how does one safely encounter a hoopy person and not dissolve into a puddle of inferiority afterwards? What one has to remember is that hoopy people are not really hoopy. They just believe they are. Because uh, the only people who don't feel they have an imposter complex are those people who are stupidly the wrong side (laughs) of the curve on the Dunning-Kruger effect. I was going to say it is a Dunning-Kruger thing, yes. Everybody is making it up as they go along. No one knows. No one, no one, absolutely no one knows what they're doing. And that's absolutely true of absolutely everybody. I think uh, Obama uh, realised that um, he, he, he said that he couldn't believe he was uh, president. I mean, a lot of other people uh, also said that, but they were normally right-wingers. But there are, there are objectively people who you can look at and go, they, all right, they, they might be the the swan's legs on the uh, underside of the pond going 10 to the dozen but there are some people who are objectively just cool i met a i don't want to like give any potentially uh well it's, i'm not going to give any identifiable information but i'm also not going to say anything bad about the person are you go on no, identify I'm, not. <laughs> I'm absolutely not i met um a a guy who does some sleep science stuff uh, over the weekend and I'd met him a couple of times, and, and this time I fa- found out part of what his job is. Um, and part of what his job is is speaking to people who have sex in their sleep. What? Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a thing. This man uh, speaks to uh, people who have sex in their sleep and then wake up and don't remember it. And so their partners are usually very tired. Um, and and they they both come into the sleep lab and and uh, one of, one of the stories was that uh, apparently um, the the wife said of the husband I I wouldn't mind so much but he's better at it when he's asleep. <laughs> so many questions. Okay, okay. <laughs> and this was told to me by a very hoopy guy. I, I I just he was one of those that is you know fairly self-possessed but just like objectively just kind of a cool guy you know he snowboards he's tall um, already absolutely fucking insufferable well I can't comment on that I didn't think he was insufferable I thought he was very sufferable you haven't got to live with him I'd rather live with the guy who accidentally shagged you <laughs> is your understanding that that hoopy is coolness or or is it is it just that kind of um the person who bought a house when they were twenty two rather than waiting until they were 
like 26 and it had gone up really, yeah. really. <laughs> it re- yeah. It really depends on what your definition of the phrase together, a together guy is. Well, it's really. meant to be someone mm. that you want to sass, isn't it? Where sass means anything between uh, get to know or have sex with. So, yeah. So um, if you take hoopy to mean anybody you like hanging around with, then you're all quite hoopy fruits. But um, anybody who would be sort of self-described, not, not just self-described, but it's all a little bit um, Poochie the dog in Itchy and Scratchy <laughs> in The Simpsons, isn't it? <laughs> I have to go back to my own planet. Uh, but no, you, you're right. In the, 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 the key there, the killer, is the self-description. If you are self-styled as Hoopy, then you can get in the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, good. Well, now <laughs> uh, we have to go for a drink and we have to do it in this pub here. The Horse and Groom is Arthur's local pub on Earth, in which hung for many years a battered old Guinness clock, which featured a picture of an emu with a pint glass jammed rather amusingly down its throat. Mr H, are we just going to gloss over the fact that it was called The Red Lion in the TV show? You talked last time about um, about parallel universe theory very, very briefly. <laughs> I say last time. Um, uh, last, last time I wasn't on tape and I had to listen to it like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> when it dropped and find out what you'd all been doing without me. Oh. Um, you talked briefly that, that Douglas had touched on parallel universes. Um, you could say that the Red Lion and the Horse and Groom, uh, that's a parallel universe thing. And for whatever reason, they were the same same pub with different names in the Divergence or perhaps there were different pubs altogether, which John might come on to in a second. But I'm wondering if this is just a simple case of... People never let go of the names of things that are the canonical names to them. Mm. So my parents, for my entire childhood, referred to the B&Q in Guernsey as Thorns, because Thorns was a local hardware store that had got taken over by B&Q. Yeah. And they took over the shop. I once had a conversation with um, my best friend from home's uh, mum, and I said, oh, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous how people can't kind of get over the name of the, get, you know, uh, uh, still referring back to the name that the shop down the road had in the 1970s. They keep calling it Grand Fair. They keep calling it Grand Fair when it's Larish's. And she turned to me and she said, it's been called Stampers for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> people won't let go of these names. There's a pub down the road um, in uh, another area of Sutton near the Erdington border. And when I lived in Erdington, it was called the Bolmere Oak. But everybody referred to it as the Cork and Bottle. And now it's called... It's called something else altogether, and it's run by a, a brewery called called they pronounce it Jowls, but it's spelled Jules. Um, and there's a there's a freaking sign behind the bar, and it says whatever the name of the pub is. Let's just call it Jules for now, right? It's Jules Pub, formerly the Bolmer Oak, formerly the Cork and Bottle. So they're kind of having to build this name <laughs> up of kind of these sedimented layers of things that people just will not let go of at all. Um, so I think some people call it the horse and groom, some people call it the red lion, and some pub co has taken it over. It's a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a yeah, it's a bank. Um, I feel under the surface there might have been a slight admonishment um, because mm-hmm. my canon uh, <laughs> never mentioned the name of a pub. So uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the 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 name of the pub comes from the book, um, which 
uh, I think if we get our timings right, was pre-TV show, um, which is which is doubly weird <laughs> because yeah. So he wrote the he wrote the thing, and then basically they filmed it at a pub called the Red Lion, and no one then changed the. Actually, I say that. So the name of the the name of the actual pub I think didn't come in until book four when Arthur makes his way back to Earth. Okay, so um, I know that's not true because Ooh, okay, good. I've been listening to um, another podcast, Shock Horror, and not one that either of you two are on. Um, there's one produced <laughs> don't uh, exist. There's one produced by the, the BBC, which I don't think. It's, it's, sort of like a Radio 4 podcast, but it's not oh, on yes. Radio 4. Yes, it's a podcast in its own right. Yeah, and uh, it's called The bo- it's called the Boring Talk, so mm-hmm. it's based on... Uh, oh, I've started listening to that, sorry. A, firm, uh, a friend of uh, the internet, a guy called James Ward, who created a thing called The Boring Conference, where essentially people talk about what might on the surface sound very boring topics in so much detail that they become fascinating. And I think that's probably true of anything. You could probably do that for anything. Um, but the first episode of their new podcast was called The End of the World. And it was a guy, um, called Steve Cross, who performed a very close reading of the first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book to attempt to ascertain the date of the end of the world. Lovely. I like Steve Cross. And he based this, uh, purely on the pub scene. Okay. Um, and uh, if you'll recall, uh, without knowing this, because this has only come out quite recently, in the Christmas special where we talked about the TV show, we did a little bit of a feeling towards a similar thing, didn't we? We tried to work out which Arsenal game yes. that they could not be bothered to go to and hence didn't happen because the uh, the world ended. Fortunately, I don't remember a lot of details <laughs> about what we actually came up with, so I could... I could do this material fresh. Well, we, I think, well, we, um, hypothesized that they were in a red lion. They needed to be within a red lion. Obviously, there's lots of the most popular pub name in the UK. They need to be within, uh, traveling distance to make it a local to the arsenal, to Highbury, as were. So we worked out based on the, um, sort of beautiful light and spring morning and stuff and the year of the transmission of the TV series, uh, which arsenal game they were may or may not have been going to. And I think we fell between two stools. There was either, there's one Thursday game it could have been, or we had to say that Arthur had got it wrong. It wasn't Thursday. And they were actually going to the, uh, talking about the FA Cup final. Steve and his thing um, uh, took Thursday as red and then worked out the only possible game that, uh, well, you should you should go and listen to it. It's, it's, it's worth it. But um, the, where the pub was, was very important in that. And now keep your glasses charged as we raise a toast to one of the all-time boozers. Hot Black Desiato is the front man of Disaster Area, the biggest, loudest, richest rock band in history. He spent a year legally dead for tax purposes, and in the TV show, his bodyguard was played with a guy inside the Darth Vader mask. Uh, Ford knew him before he got mega famous, and Pike from Dad's Army went to my school, so... Have either of you occupied the same space as a future star? I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a few. Um, so, as you say, star is a is a spectrum, isn't it? And um, I've got, I've got, I've got three for you. I've got three for you. One's about football, one's about pop music, and one's about movies. I will take um, movies for ten, please. So I um, went to a really horrific. Um, 
cringe-making social engagement, which would have made the cut for last week when you were talking about feeling socially out of your depth. Um, uh, I went to a really, really, really horrible party with um, uh, a, an ex-girlfriend. And um, when I was there, I discovered that her um, her cousin was um, an aspiring movie director and producer. And he has gone on to make millions since I, since I saw him and he was, he was nobody and he was socially awkward and he was awful and he was terrible. I'm not going to name oh, him. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean you just had to have met these people. That's an entirely different thing as what I was going for. I thought you had to have been to school with them. Yeah. I mean, a, a bit more of, a bit more of a connection than having met them would be nice, but I'm not going to split hairs. Okay. Well, I, you chose it. Um, <laughs> I did. I chose, I chose movie style. I was expecting Johnny. Uh, I was sponsored by Oliver Reed to do a, Sponsored walks story then. Well, I didn't go to school with him. Ah, you did go to school with the director. <laughs> oh, interesting. No, I didn't go to school with the director. No. I got a tape from David Blunkett once. A tape from David Blunkett. Yeah, he recorded me a whole, uh, a whole diatribe uh, while he was on the train. Hip hop remix. Hip hop remix. Hip hop remix. I know. I wish. Would that I still a had the tape and b had the facility to play a tape. Did you go for a walk and who led? Sorry. Ah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Sorry, well, Mark. Well done, well done for the joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> so, so I was, um, I, I did think this was all about school. So I went on uh, my school's Wikipedia page to look at. Oh, um, you've done an old boys well, I did, search. I, well, I went on there to see the list of uh, old Edwardians, as it, as it were. <laughs> and um, I discovered that uh, most of our famous old boys had done very, very well in the war, but not quite well enough to avoid dying <laughs> in it. Um, so uh, that was the case. Obviously, I didn't meet them. Well, it was. It would. It, we, we've played a similar game to this before, and so it possibly would have been given given the uh, the caliber of people that went to that kind of school, which I was never smart enough to uh, to go to. Uh, I would think it would either be war or utri. Well, we did the the most. I, well, there are two. Uh, famous ones that were there at the same time uh, as me. Number one was a, a young actor who um, was actually uh, in Crossroads while he was in school as a as a child actor. Wow! Um, oh wow! Uh, but most famous for being the uh, lead in uh, the Tic Tacs, the Tic Tacs advert, which uh, has the phrase "Did she just shake her Tic Tacs at me?" As the uh, as the the end quote, I think we could put that in the show notes. It's a wonderful advert. I feel like I have um, a vague memory of that. I think I think I think you'd enjoy it. Um, it was quite <laughs> iconic at the time. Um, and the other one I only discovered quite recently because uh, this young lad, this young fresh faced boy, was in the first year, and I was in the upper sixth. And it is uh, Theresa May's uh, ex lead advisor, architect of the Conservatives' downfall at last. Uh, election, um, Henry VIII lookalike, Nick <laughs> Timothy, oh, wow. who is uh, seven years younger than me. He don't look it. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so let's uh, let's have sport then. My house in my school, our football team uh, was 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 quite good, and uh, the secret of the success was probably that we, um, you know, we used to build the game from the back very very successfully. They had a, a, a dashing young left back uh, whose name was John Hickman, and uh, he was playing just in front of Chris Tardiff, who played for um, Portsmouth when they were on some good cup runs back in the two thousands. So uh, he went on to um, some success within football. Uh, anything in music? Oh, yeah. So um, there was a chap at uni um, whose uh, sister was in a manufactured pop band that were doing very, very well in the late 90s. 
and nine one one. No, no, they came no. to our school. Uh, she, she was in. She was one of the girls from Steps. Oh wow! And um, he uh, his his career became being the brother of one of them off of Steps. Ooh. And, and um, <laughs> there was there was a spin off band which was him and his brothers. Okay, Stairs. Um, no, Escalator. No. Uh, no, they were called Lift. They were called Three SL because um, oh, I remember them. There were three of them, and their name was Scott Lee. And um, they're, they're essentially, from what I gather from the brief contact I've had with them on Facebook, their job is still being the brother of the girl from Steps. And they kind of do personal appearances around clubs and stuff, it looks like. Apparently they were a, a Welsh pop group made of Steve Ant and Andy Scotley. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Talk of um, six degrees of uh, separation, John. See if we can count the uh, degrees of separation there. So you went to university with a girl that went out with person whose per- brother was in step no, no no i went to i went to uni with one of the scott Lees. oh right okay so we're close to one, one of the three sls so a, a one member of steps apparently was had a friend who was responsible for nuisance calling the uh person whose dog is the mother of our dog <laughs> oh my god that's amazing yeah <laughs> if i'd known that story i'd have told it like that <laughs> I just said I went to uni with someone who's the brother of someone who knows the person who did the nuisance call about a dog. <laughs> oh no, the dog was not related in the nuisance call. That's just how I'm how I know them. The, uh, oh, okay, and uh, I've got your movie ones there for me. That I once knew a guy that we knew as Weird Bob, mm. and uh, this is a good, this is a good story. It's his story rather than mine, though. And um, his cousin uh, is Liam Neeson. He didn't make a big thing about it. And he says he didn't, he, their, uh, their moms didn't see each other very often. They saw each other. And someone said, uh, he said, how's, how's your son doing? And he said, oh, he's doing quite well. He's in the new Star Wars. Uh, how's your son doing? Oh, he, uh, he works at, uh, North Birmingham College. He photocopies things. Oh. Uh, nice lad, Weird Bob. Uh, he, he didn't like being called Weird Bob though. He'd go, the name's Robert. Weird Robert. <laughs> oh, I'm quite taken with him. Uh, oh, I also know Dawn Porter, by the way. Oh, that's talking going quite going cool. back to the going back to the University of the IT crowd. I like Dawn Porter. Yeah, she's from Guernsey. Ah, yeah, yeah, she's um, she's she's my age. She was at the she was at the the other school. All right. Uh, now, before we continue, uh, I thought we could. This is my script reading voice. Now you'll you'll notice, listener. Nice transition. Uh, yes, I thought we could talk about music uh, in the Hitchhikers universe since we've already been talking about it anyway. Uh, it links nicely with with the previous topic and uh, the next one as well. Um, have we got any? Like for me, uh, one of the the first things that I remember was my dad telling me, "Oh, that's the Eagles." Uh, playing the theme because you know he never listened to the show, but I would have had it playing on a radio cassette in the kitchen at some point. And he went, "That's that's Eagles, that is." I went, no, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mate. And he went, "No, no, no, that music there—that's by that's by the band the Eagles, and it's called like you know Journey of the Sorcerer or something." Um, and it's it's quite good. And subsequent versions of the um, when they went and and. Uh, Re uh, went and recorded the uh, new versions of the books. They did sort of very horrible, um, almost MIDI-like 
um, reproductions of the original music, and it never sounded very good. So, like lift, lift music, slightly. Yeah, it's just it's it was very, um, yeah, very uh, very computerized, and not in a fun way. Just sort of a bit tacky. Because I imagine it's it's probably because it was cheaper, uh, especially when you know when they put them on CD. Um, because of the, I guess the um, the deals that the BBC have with broadcasting music, they can broadcast music as much as they want uh, because they have a deal with PRS. But I would imagine when it comes to burning a CD and selling it, that probably doesn't work, and they they would probably have to pay royalties and quite a lot of royalties for a piece of music by the Eagles. That has stopped the release of many a BBC TV programme onto uh, saleable media. Yeah, the mm-hmm. fact that um, when I used to work there many years ago, um, the unwritten rule was that you could use any piece of music you wanted apart from the Beatles or Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. who were, who used to get upset. And that's ironic because then he bought the catalogue of the Beatles as well. I think it may even have been the fact that he owned it and he got upset about all the things that he wrote. He wrote. So no, he's dead. You can do what you like. Um, and if you ever watch an episode of Holmes Under the Hammer... Oh, yeah. There's so much pop music in that. I think I think all of it under the 15-second PRS threshold. Which I think is a myth. Is uh, you, you you might know this more than I do, but I think that is a myth. I have heard it said um, that people assume that you can play a certain uh, number of seconds uh, of music and that's okay for any reason. And from what I understand, that's not the case. Uh, if you're if you're playing music for the purposes of talking about that music, you know, for the purposes of review, then you can play a short sample of it um, because it's under fair use. But I don't think there's any rule that says uh, you can play just a snatch of music for 15 seconds. Maybe what it is, Mark, maybe it's like um, maybe PRS works like the Eye of Sauron or yes. like the spyglass in nightmare yes. and so if you um if you if you, the minute you start to play it there's a chance they're going to have a are they listening are they going to hear you are they going to hear you are they going to oh, they've heard you they've heard you quick put the spyglass yeah. down that's that's how PRS works yes. that's it works with with magic and um trickery and mirrors yes i'm working with PRS at the moment and they are a fine organization uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, that's absolutely so, fine. i was i was thinking about music not as in relation to the broadcast of the hitchhiker's guide but in the hitchhiker's guide universe so we know about crunk which we've discussed uh or uh, before, or uh gunk, gunk. Gunk, Kunk, Gunk, Crunk, Crunk is the one that exists. Oh, it does, uh, oh. and is that sort of squelchy hip hop? Uh, but yes, Gunk is the one that. Yeah. I'm sounding quite old, and we know <laughs> about disaster area. But what I was thinking about is, we live in a, a universe where um, casinos uh, can be hewn out of uh, rock, uh, and mattresses can evolve. Um, which means that absolutely every single variety of music exists every single variety of tune exists somewhere uh we just haven't heard it yet and i was wondering if we'd fallen through to a wormhole where the uh, currently in the uk where um everything that we get to hear is every variation of a singer songwriter whose ability with lyrics seems to be purely able to list things they did on their way to the studio that day <laughs> or the previous night. I'm talking about people like Sam Smith or Ed Sheeran. Have you heard of Ed Sheeran? Have you heard Ed Sheeran's Galway Girl, for example? No, I haven't. I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. Um, if you investigate the lyrics, they are essentially a small list of things that happened to Ed Sheeran when he once met a girl from Ireland in the pub. 
She put the jukebox on and then she sang a song and then we had a whiskey, then it was last orders. Gotcha. And then I <laughs> went for a wee and then it's just, it's just, it's this, I don't know, the Brits uh, are probably awarding awards to this sort of lyrical shite as we speak. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, d- okay, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to set that uh, up against, I once met a girl or should I say, she once had me, she showed me her room, isn't it good, Norwegian wood. I mean, it's a fine song, but I'm not, I, I like, I, I, I'm, I've got to be that guy who's not going to um, uh, bang his gavel uh, at the, uh, not a gavel, but, you know, bang his fist on the table at the music of the young people today. Because as much as I don't like it, it's not for me, and it's just within, it, it's it's absolutely within our thing. It's, it's a, a very Douglas Adams thing of, you know, anything created uh, from from the age of 35 onwards is an abomination and should be stopped. There's plenty of good stuff being created, but this is just absolutely abominable shite. I don't have much of a problem with Ed Sheeran, uh, but the, that, that new ilk of mumble singers that um, Sam Smith and his ilk uh, are, are part of now... All of the all of the singers sound the same, and they're all emulating a style of singing that is certainly not, um, shall we say, native to their particular uh, standing, um, to their particular colour of skin. Um, and they're you know they're they're all they're all white guys and they all mumble, and it's it's all the same kind of. And there's so much of it. It's that I kind of do. That's where I am banging my fist on the table and saying the young the people's young music. I'm just thankful they don't actually have to listen to uh, any uh, radio as it's broadcast these days. Yes. I feel the same way with commercial telly. And now it's uh, it's back to Leopard's Poetry Corner. How I Hate the Night is a poem by Marvin, which he uses to comfort himself while he's hooked up to the cricket computer. It goes like this. Now the world has gone to bed. Darkness won't engulf my head. I can see by infrared how I hate the night. The band Ignea recorded a song using these lyrics, and uh, here's a little sample. Now the world has gone to bed. Darkness won't engulf my head. I can see by infrared. We'll get on to other similar works uh, as we go further down the alphabet, but I wonder if, Bounder, you could uh, finish us off with another verse. I've tried. Okay, that's that's um, all I ask. <laughs> I've, um, but unfortunately, the only I only really... I'm not a huge fan of poetry, as mm-hmm. you may have discussed. I like Pamir's. Oh, yeah, we're, we're sorry that we sent her on the B-Arc. I like Philip Larkin. Mm-hmm. I like Auden. And I like Sylvia Plath purely for pretentious reasons. Um, but so I've had a go. But the only poetry I've been reading recently is the uh, meme on Twitter where all poems go roses are red, violets are blue. Here's something contemporary about culture that doesn't quite rhyme. <laughs> so uh, that's that's all I've got. Okay. Um, so uh, actually, will you read me in the last verse, Mark? And then I'll, yes. uh, I'll continue. Happy to. <clears throat> now I lay me down to sleep, try to count electric sheep. Sweet dream wishes you can keep. How I hate the night. The books have been read. Channel 5's gone blue. 
Everything has a headache you. How I hate the night. <laughs> I realise that Channel 5 doesn't do mucky films anymore, so that's a very 90s <laughs> reference. John, you, 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 you've, um, you get the recurring task much better than yes. me. I, I get the thing where Mark makes me have to say grumpy things and you get to do nice little poems. That is, I think, actually, that is the first poem I've ever written. What's Danny's bit? What's Danny's recurring bit? Oh, Danny, 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 tell me a bit about you did something with your knob you shouldn't have done. <laughs> that you've already told me and I've tended to draw out of you. Danny's thing is, Danny, can you do? Can you now do 10 minutes of observational comedy about admin? <laughs> yeah. Can you just... Well, I think sometimes it's just, can you do Danny for a bit? Can you just do do, do that thing? We're all going to go and have a cup of tea. <laughs> he didn't used to do all this stuff about admin. He's turning into a right uh, Ricky Gervais. He's changed. <laughs> um, but yeah, like going going back to the the, the poem. Um, I know, uh, Mister Hickman, you you like it, and uh, I I I certainly do. There's there's a wonderful soft bleakness to it. It's pretty good poetry, isn't it, for a robot? All right. Well, before we head out, I just want to make a quick mention of Hrundi for the alphabetical completionist in everyone. Hrundi is a manuf- manufacturer of small spaceships. I nearly said manufacturer in the same way that. Uh, Peter Jones would say executive um, and uh, man- manufacturer. Uh, and uh, yes, so they, they make spaceships and they are the ones associated with the advanced vectoroid stabilisis uh, that was uh, that we discussed back in episode one. A little bit uh, topically to that, um, uh, I've been looking to try and buy a new car and we talked about how you uh, decided about uh, new cars and stuff and I realised I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and then... Um, uh, a friend of mine pointed me to a special website um, that is meant to be only for Vickers uh, <laughs> because uh, apparently Vickers get ripped off a lot in the used car game. So this website is uh, like a buffer for Vickers. <laughs> and uh, you put you uh, tell the website what sort of car you want and that you're an ecclesiastical type. And they sort it out and make sure you get a good deal. So I'm going through, Vic- I'm going through the Vicar uh, car uh, website to get my new Godbuysanycar.com. Yes, that's pretty much. Sheila's wheels, but for dog colours. <laughs> it's like the equivalent, it's like the reverse equivalent of the of the used car salesman who's like, the you know, th- this car was only owned by a vicar who just used to drive it back and forward <laughs> to church to deliver his sermons. But in the modern day, you wouldn't buy you wouldn't buy a car under those conditions because what you what you realise is that vicars are kind of peripatetic and they have to go fucking miles to go to seven different churches in a day. And they run ragged by the end of it and they're probably going to crash it. This is why they need reliable cars and why I'm so glad that I'm able to take advantage of their uh, um, ecclesiastical uh, websites. <laughs> uh, and that's about it for the show. Thank you very much for uh, for listening. Uh, you can find John Hickman over there on Twitter at John Hickman. There's only one H uh, there. You can figure out where where that H goes. Uh, you'll find... No, it doesn't go in there. That's the problem. No, no. It, oh, no there's it an does. H in John yeah, Hickman. Hickman. Just not... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no F in John. <laughs> uh, there's no F in way I'm going to get out of this episode. Um, and uh, you'll find Bounder, John Bounds, over there at Bounder on the Twitter. And you'll find me at I am Stedman. We will be back next week, uh, all being well. And I don't have some sort of crisis because I've got to go to Berlin. Um, but there should be an episode out next week. So until then, share and enjoy.
because of the type of school that I went to, they send a newsletter about what people from the school are doing, right? Oh, yes. OE Showbiz News. Barney Hudson is in the original London cast of Hamilton, an American musical written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, which has been a huge hit on Broadway. The show opened in London with previews on 6th of December 2017 at the newly refurbished Victoria Palace Theatre. Sam Meader is furthering his acting career in America, and he's currently taking the role of Will Scarlet in The Heart of Robin Hood at the Wallace Theatre in Beverly Hills. Nathaniel Eaker will play the lead in our local operatic society's Eastern musical <laughs> Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor <laughs> Dreamcoat. It runs from 31st of March to 7th of April at the Leisure Centre. <laughs> <laughs> 